All right, why don't you guys go ahead and find your seats so we can get started today. Very good, very good. Well, welcome to New Life. Uh, my name is Dave Cumming. I, I have the honor and the privilege of being the campus pastor out at uh, North Platte. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. You know, every time that North Platte gets mentioned on a Sunday morning, we cheer and we clap. And so I know everybody out in North Platte right now is like going crazy. And so I'm just going to keep saying North Platte over and over. Yeah. That's right. Uh, hopefully they've lost their voice by the end of the message because I'm going to say North Platte so many times. Um, yeah. So anyways, uh, hello, everybody. Love you guys. Can't wait to be back with you soon. Um, but also, I want to uh, let you know a little bit of why I'm speaking today. Pastor Jeff happens to be in West Africa. Uh, he's there with one of our interns, Nathaniel Converse. They happen to be watching us live online. So I want to say hi to Pastor Jeff and Nathaniel. That's right. You'll hear a little bit more about what they've got going on and why they're over there uh, throughout the message. Uh, but I just want to welcome them and anybody else that's watching us online. Uh, it's really incredible. Uh, today, I can actually say and know for a fact that we have people watching us all around the world. Okay? Uh, pretty awesome. But then I also want to say hi to everybody down in the venue. I've been down there a number of times and worship with you guys. It's always rocking down there. I love that place. Uh, so thank you. Wherever you're worshiping with us from today, thank you for taking time out of your, of your schedule and spending it with God and with other believers. Um, you know, like I said, Pastor Jeff gave me the opportunity to speak today so that you can really hear some firsthand accounts of what God's doing in our church and through our church uh, in the church plant out in North Platte. But uh, it's not just about North Platte. So if you're somewhere else, you know, maybe down in the venue, don't like check out and think, well, this is all about North Platte. Okay, don't get jealous. Uh, all right, this is for everyone. Uh, but today we're talking about investments. And I've got an older brother who is a senior equity analyst. And some of you guys are probably thinking, what in the world is that? I thought the same thing. I had to Google it yesterday uh, to make sure. But anyways, he studies companies and, and figures out which ones are trustworthy, which ones are faithful, which ones you should invest money in. And so I almost had him come today to speak, but he's in Kansas City, so you're stuck with me. All right? Uh, but we are going to talk about investments. And so uh, when we talk about investments, sometimes you can invest in, in real estate. And this is a building in the Bowery District of New York City. It was purchased in 1966 by a photographer for $102,000. You can't see it super well, but there's just like all sorts of graffiti on the lower level. It's crazy. And some people may think, well, that's a poor investment until they hear the rest of the story. Last September, the photographer sold this building for $55 million. So not a bad return on his investment. Other investments we might make. We might find a, a company that we like. Yes, Pastor Jeff, this one's for you. Okay? We've got Apple here. And if you were in on Apple from the beginning and then, you know, stuck with them throughout the, the dip that they experienced in the mid-90s, if you're still with them, you're probably doing okay. You're probably pretty happy with your investment. Last November, they became the first U.S. company to be worth or valued at over $700 billion. Okay? Also, when we're talking investments, especially here in Nebraska, we can't go without mentioning Mr. Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha, somebody that uh, gives great sound advice. Uh, he's somebody that you could trust with your money. Now let's kind of, you know, turn the other way and let's take a look at maybe some investments that weren't so good. 
hopefully I'm not stepping on any toes of maybe past employees here. Uh, but really, this is just indicative of companies that maybe didn't see the changing landscape that was coming. They weren't willing to restructure or maybe change their business model, and they become obsolete. Those are not good investments, investments that don't have vision. And then lastly, uh, some of you probably don't have a clue who this guy is, but you can tell by his expression, he's not quite as happy as Warren Buffett was. Uh, this guy is Bernie Madoff, who uh, ran the largest Ponzi scheme in America's history, where he cheated millions and millions of people, or not millions and millions of people, millions of dollars out of uh, people that trusted him, that thought he was faithful, that was going to give them a great return on their investment. Well, today, I want to, I want to present to you your best investment opportunity. In fact, that's, that's what I wanted to title this sermon, to let you know that your best investment opportunity is going to be in God's kingdom. It's going to be through your resources, yes, finances as well, but where you're spending your time, where you're spending your energy, your gifts, your talents. When you use those to build God's kingdom, to invest in God's kingdom, that's going to give you the greatest return that you could ever experience. And so that's where we're going today. Your best investment opportunity is in God's kingdom. The, the scripture that we're going to be using today is found in Colossians. It's going to be the first chapter, about the first 14 verses or so. And so I want to give you a little bit of backstory on Colossians. Now, last week, Pastor Jeff uh, gave us a message about turnaround and how Saul was this man that was eager to kill Christians. He wanted to um, grab them and throw them in jail and persecute them, and then he met Jesus, and his life took a radical change. And then he spent the rest of his life pursuing God, spreading the good news, taking it everywhere he could. Well, this book of Colossians was written by Paul. He took uh, three different missionary journeys around the Mediterranean region, and after his third missionary journey, he lands in the city of Jerusalem, which is probably familiar to many of you. He found himself in Jerusalem. He continues to preach the good news. He's continuing to share God's message of hope and love and redemption found in his son, Jesus Christ, so much so that he angers some people that grab him and put him in prison. From Jerusalem, he's sent to a, a prison in Rome then, and that's where he writes this letter. Now, he's writing it to the church in Colossae. And so this prison letter that he's crafting is to the church in Colossae because on one of his missionary journeys, church tradition tells us that he crossed paths with a man named Epaphras. And they met in this town of Ephesus, and they got connected, and Epaphras believes in, in the good news. He commits his life to Christ, and then he wants to go and share the good news with his hometown. So he moves back to Colossae, and he plants this church. Now, Paul never stepped foot in Colossae. He never went to this church, but he had that bond between um, himself and Epaphras. And so he writes this letter to a church to encourage them, to let them know that they're supported, and also to give them correction and wisdom. And so that's really kind of our basis today. We're going to go ahead and take a look here at the first couple of verses, first three verses of Colossians. It says this, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. Timothy is one of Paul's kind of right-hand guys. Um, we'll keep going. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, as I read through these verses, the thought came to me, man, this is a perfect depiction of the relationship between Kearney's New Life Campus and North Platte's New Life Campus. And so I was so intrigued by this, I thought, you know, I need to go and see what some other translations have to say uh, about this. And so as I, was, as I was studying, I found one called the New Life Translation. It's pretty crazy, pretty radical, but there's one there, and, and there are a few changes. Let's take a look at them. It says, this letter is from Jeff, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Nate. Now, I think they chose Nate because um, Timothy, you know, that right-hand man of Paul, well, he, he was known to be very youthful in nature, um, but I do have to question the validity of this translation because Timothy was also known to be timid. So I don't know if Nate was the best choice here. Nate, I love you. Um, but maybe we should have gone with Pastor Roger or Pastor Dean or Pastor Eric instead. But anyways, uh, continue on. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of North Platte who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This, like I said, is a perfect depiction of the relationship between our two campuses. You know, Kearney is, is really, in a sense, like grandparents to North Platte. We, North Platte, my campus, wouldn't exist without you guys. And there's also a way that we are viewed by the Kearney campus that is very similar to a family maybe grandparents, and the way they talk about their, their grandchildren, the way they're bragging about them, they're boasting about them. They want the best for them, and so they pray for them, and they support them, and they want to pass on wisdom, okay? When, I, when I'm around uh, Kearney or run into people that attend here at this location, they always ask me about North Platte. You know, how's it going out in North Platte? Are you getting settled? What's God doing out there? And it's never, never out of just well, okay, I'm going to be polite and make small talk with the North Platte pastor. I don't really care what's going on. It's always out of a genuine interest in what's going on in North Platte. And so I'll be able to tell them, oh man, you'd never believe what happened in this person's life. Or you should see what this life group is doing. Or the fact that we had a life group that was getting big enough that we had to multiply it. Or, I mean, there's just, it just goes on and on. We had 163 people show up the week after Easter. And I'm yeah, that's right. You can, you can praise God for that. Yeah. And so in these conversations, it, it's inevitable that at some point, either in the middle of the conversation or by the end as we're wrapping it up, I always hear from the person that I'm talking to, man, that is just awesome to hear what God's doing. I've been praying for you. Or something like, man, I can't wait uh, to hear more stories from you. I'm going to keep praying for you. I've been praying for you, and I'm going to keep doing it. And so there's this, this family-type bond between our two locations. Paul goes on to say this in Colossians. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. That brings us to our first essential truth for today. Another essential truth here that we can add to our foundation, our spiritual foundation that we've been creating over the last number of weeks. That first essential truth is this. The truth of the good news leads to redemption. Now, to kind of understand the connection between this truth and how I pulled it from these two verses, we need to look at these verses again, but we're actually going to walk through them backwards. We have to see what the cause was 
before we really understand the effect. And so let's take a look here. If you look at the end of verse 5, it talks about how, you know, this all starts when you first hear the truth of the good news. So what is that? It's very simply put that God sent his son Jesus to this world not to condemn us, but to save you and to save me. Through something that was very radical. It was through love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, patience. So once you've first heard that truth, when you believe that you are saved, that God sent his son to you to save you, then that triggers something. You begin to have a confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You know, so many people in this, in this world that don't have a relationship with God, one of the things they fear the most is, what am I going to do? Where am I going when I die? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? What, is this just the end of it? And, and it radically impacts their life. But once you have heard the truth of the good news, you have a confident hope knowing God's got a plan for me. I get to go spend eternity with him in heaven. And that this isn't something we have to wait until we die to experience. When you hear the truth of the good news and you believe it and you buy into it, then your eternity with Christ and with God starts right then. It's not something you have to wait for until the end of your life, okay? So that confident hope then, what does it trigger? Well, it triggers faith in Christ Jesus that increases and your love for all of God's people. Now, I was super excited when Pastor Jeff asked me to come to share today because I get to tell stories. And not just stories, but stories of lives that have been changed by God when people first heard the truth of the good news, it gave them a confident hope, and then their, their, uh, their confident hope led to a faith increase that led to loving all of God's people. So let me tell you a story about a guy named Jason. Jason Norman is his name. He's affectionately known as Hot Pants. Um, I love you, Jason, as well. Okay, uh, If you want to hear the story about Hot Pants, come find me, um, email me. It's kind of a funny story. But anyways, Jason Norman... To, to understand his story, we have to go back about 11 months ago when my wife Tiffany and I moved our family from Omaha, Nebraska, out to North Platte. And when we got out there, Pastor Nate, who's from North Platte, had some different people he thought we should meet, had some different contacts. And so he created this list, this document, and sent it to us. And somehow Jason's name ended up on this document. Now, it's not somebody that Nate knows, so I'm not really sure how Jason got on there, but... We get out there in June, and we want to have a barbecue to invite all of these people to, uh, to just get to know them, share a little vision for what we're doing, why we moved to North Platte, and to really help them understand who New Life is and why we're going to North Platte. So I called Jason. He was on the list of people that I got. Tiffany took a different list, and I'm calling people, and I get a hold of Jason. And, you know, you could, I could kind of sense that there was a little bit of hesitation, like, why is this pastor calling me? Like, how did this pastor get my phone number. So anyways, I'm talking to him, just said, hey, you know, we're a new church that's going to be planting here in a couple of months, and we're looking to meet people. So would you and your girlfriend like to come over and be a part of our barbecue? And he's like, yeah, I, I mean, I love to barbecue. I, I'll come listen to uh, what you have to say. And so we get off the phone, and I'm thinking, okay, that's awesome. Maybe, maybe we'll see him. Barbecue comes and goes, and they don't show up. And I'm like, okay, maybe something came up, no big deal. Uh, and then we get into this season of renovating the church building out there and all sorts of outreach opportunities and, and events and things like that. So I don't really think too much more of Jason 
To be honest, I'm, I'm meeting just hundreds of people, people stopping in at the building or people out at the, the parks and things where we're doing the outreach. And then a week before we launch, so this is now fast forwarded to September, we're at a bounce. We're doing, you know, our inflatables, our carnival games, our food, and all of that out at Cody Park on the north side of town. And, and many of you guys have actually, you know, been there. Obviously, the North Platte people have. But we've had so many people from Kearney come out and, and be a part of things in Cody Park. Well, we're out at Cody Park. It's about 45 minutes into the bounce, and I'm in a conversation. And all of a sudden, this guy comes from the left, and he's like, Hey, aren't you the pastor that called me? And right there on the tip of my tongue was Jason. I said, are you Jason? And he said, yes. And come to find out later, the fact that I knew his name meant all the difference in the world to him. Now, I'm not, I'm not taking credit for that. That was the Holy Spirit put Jason on the tip of my tongue, and I just had the faith to speak it. I mean, his name could have been Bartholomew or whatever, but it's Jason, and that made a huge difference to him. And so I'm telling him, hey, I'm glad we got connected. We're planting our church. Our launch Sunday is next week. Oh, man, it's going to be awesome. I'll, I'll come. I'll bring my, my fiancé at this point, and, and we're going we're gonna to check it out. We're going to see what new life is all about. So, you know, launch day comes and goes, and no Jason. I'm thinking, man, okay, well, maybe I can't really believe anything this guy has to say, or maybe something else came up. I don't know. But anyways... September goes by, October goes by, and then all of a sudden, November 2nd, who walks through our doors? Jason, his fiance Megan, and their two kids. And we're thinking, okay, maybe this guy is serious, all right? He doesn't know it, but they happen to sit down in a pew right behind Pastor Jeff and his wife Kim, who were able to worship with us that time for the first time. And as a little side note, uh, Kim likes to share this story that at the end of worship, we're in the last song, Mighty to Save. It's a familiar song. A lot of people know it. Well, Jason knows this song, okay? Jason is just singing his heart out. And Kim, hears his fiance, Megan, lean over and say, do you have to sing so loud? And he's like, what? I like this song. I know this one. And so there's something in that story that I love, that there's this passion that Jason has. And at this point, I didn't really know where that passion was being directed. Because we'd had two conversations, I thought he was going to come, and he didn't, and now he shows up, and I see this passion again. I'm like, man, God, change his heart. Get a hold of him. He keeps coming. I think it's the next week after that, he goes to the altar, and I find out later that it was the first time he'd ever gone to an altar in his life. And we're talking about things. I don't know if it was after the service that day or the next week, and he comes up, and he said, I want to get baptized. I'm like, really? That is awesome. Okay, tell me. What, what's going on? What, what changed in your life? And what is, what is now the, the, you know, your life? Give me, give me kind of a before Jesus and now Jesus type of a story. He said, well, we probably never believed this, but when you called me back in June, I was down in the dark basement in the darkest place in my life, high on meth. I was literally high on meth when we had that conversation. And, and just so you know, I got Jason's permission to share this story. And he was all for it because he wants the good news and the redemption of Christ to be shared. So we're talking, and I'm like, okay, so tell me, you know, like, what, what's the difference? And he said, well, I went to jail for a period of time, and that's why you didn't see me show up for some stuff that had happened this summer. And I went to jail, and I just, he said, you know, in jail you don't have any time, or you have so much time, and really all you can do is read the Bible or just sit there. So he's like, so I started reading the Bible, and I realized that, the way I was doing life wasn't going to work anymore. 
And he said, so I got down on the, on the ground, knelt down in my jail cell, and I just said, Christ, take over, take control. I want you to, to run my life, to, to lead me. So then he got out, he came to church, and he said that was this, this paradigm shift for him. The reason that was the first time he'd ever gone to an altar was before that, he'd always worried about everyone else and what they were going to think of him. What they were you know, going to be thinking as, as he's knelt down, they're going to think he's weak, or they're going to think that he's dirty and that he's no good because he's up at the front. He said, but when I went to the altar that day, the only person that I was concerned with was God. All I cared about was what God thought of me, and I knew I needed to go to the altar that day. And so there's just been this, this change through Jason. He gets baptized in late November. He, uh, he and his fiance attend our, our Christmas party, and this would have been the perfect promo video if we would have had uh, video rolling. We're playing Christmas Jeopardy, and uh, it was, we were split into three teams, and you just have to jump up when you want to shout out the answer to a question. Well, Jason, in his um, crazy colored hot pants, uh, jumps up at the question, where was Jesus born? And he shouts out, Jerusalem. And everybody else on his team's like, no, how did you not get that? And so everybody's giving a hard time. The other team jumps up. It was Bethlehem. And then, and this is where the, the camera should have been rolling. He hollers over to his fiance and he says, see, that's why we're supposed to be in a life group. <laughs> that's right. Amen. So then to give you just a few more of the highlights, Jason and Megan are now happily married. I got to, uh, I had the honor of officiating their wedding. It was my first wedding in North Platte. It was a very small, intimate ceremony back in March. They're married. They're, they're following God. They're trusting God with, with things, areas of their life, their finances, jobs, all sorts of things that, that is honestly a little bit scary for them because they've never stepped out in faith like that. And God's blessing them like crazy. I wish, I mean, I have enough material on Jason and Megan. I could probably speak about them all day. Okay. Um, but it's awesome. They're both serving in ministry. Uh, they go to multiple life groups, one together, and then they each go to a men's and women's group. And the last thing I want to tell you about Jason is that because of him hearing the truth of the good news, him investing his life and seeing his hope and his faith increase, other people have taken notice. He gets calls on a regular basis from people that he used to use drugs with. And they'll call and say, man, you're different. What is different about you? And I want that. And he's able to just share, hey, it's no longer my will, it's God's. I've given my life to Christ. And that's, that's the difference. And so some of them will even ask him. They'll say, okay, well, you know, are you going to meetings to stay clean? Or how are you handling this? And I love this. He says, I don't go to meetings. I go to church. He goes to church. He goes to life groups. He goes and is involved in our ministries and different things like that. And he has completely been redeemed. Now, don't get me wrong. We like to say, you know what, Jason, you've made it out of the woods. And for some other people to really believe in this transformation, you're going to have to distance yourself from the woods. But you're doing the right things. When you invest in God, when you put your faith in God, when you believe the good news, you're getting distance from the woods, and your light is shining brighter and brighter. Jason, I am so proud of you, and I love what you and Megan are doing. So, yeah, that's right.
Now, like I said, I could go on and on about Jason and Megan, but I want to let you know they're not the only ones that God is changing in, in North Platte. It's been incredible to see the connections that are made between our two campuses. We have people that maybe have been attending New Life here in Corny for years, and they have a friend or they have a family member in North Platte. And so they've actually driven to North Platte, picked up their friend or their family member, and brought them to church. And then those uh, friends and family members kind of stick around, and they keep coming. Uh, Some of you guys may know Nate Pearson. He's the guy that works here at Yonda's. And um, he was out working on the building a little bit this uh, spring and, and fall. His parents live in Sutherland, which is a small town not too far from North Platte. And they had heard Nate talk enough about New Life that they were curious. Their interest had been piqued. They wanted to go find out what is this New Life all about. And so they, they came. It was December 28th. It was a day that I got, a, I got a speak out in North Platte. By the grace of God, they kept coming back. Okay, I didn't ruin it for them. Uh, and they kept coming back. And they, you just saw the slow increase in this passion, this desire. It was like they had never heard the truth of the good news before. And it was so incredible. They end up giving their lives to Christ this spring. And then both of them in their late fifties got baptized the weekend after Easter. And I only mentioned their age because that was one of the things they communicated to me as we were talking uh, about, you know, leading up to the baptism. They were just like, well, you know, it's almost embarrassing that we're 58 years old and we're just now getting baptized. And I just said, guys, it's better at 58 than never, all right? It's never too late to commit your lives to Christ. And, and so Phil and Nancy, they're just awesome people. They are so generous. Um, one of their, their life group members, uh, they, they, the couple had their garage burned down. And Phil and Nancy have been there showing them God's love in very practical ways, helping them clean up helping them get rid of kind of the ashes and the destruction that the fire caused. And they've just got this burning passion for God. And it's been awesome to see. It doesn't matter what age, guys. It doesn't matter if you're five years old or if you're 95 years old. Giving your life to Christ is a great, great investment, one that you're never going to regret. Now, I could continue on. Um, I could stay here for a long time. We've got marriages that are hearing the truth of the good news for the first time and they're being restored because now marriages are built on Christ and his word and his truth. We have people that have gone to church all their lives and they just felt like maybe they weren't good enough for God because they never understood. And maybe it was a translation of the Bible that they were using, I don't know, but they always felt like there was something wrong with them because they didn't understand. They'd go to church and it was almost a thing that they would just check off their list more than actually get something out of it because they just, they didn't get it. Well, they're coming and they're hearing the truth of the good news and their lives are being transformed. Their lives are being redeemed. Since the beginning of the year, since the beginning of January, we've had 12 people commit their lives to Christ and 19 others recommit their lives to Christ. Since we opened in September, we've had 20 people baptized. You know, there's a little healthy competition here. We always want to have more people getting baptized than this location or the venue, okay? So we were celebrating that. And I hope, I mean, yeah. That's healthy competition. You know, if we're talking about winning people for Christ, we're all truthfully in this together. So what do you need to know today? You need to know that wherever you're at in life, if you're hearing this, this good news, this idea that, that 
God sent his son Jesus to save you. If you're hearing that for the first time today, I don't want you to think, well, yeah, but I've got this in my past. Or I am so far from God right now that he can't reach me. That's a lie. And I want you to hear the truth of the good news. The truth of the good news is is that you're never so far away from God that he can't reach you. He can reach you wherever you are, and all you have to do is surrender. Now, some of you have been here, and you've heard the good news for years, and, and you've bought into it. You believe the good news. But what's happened, if your newspaper, or if your life was a newspaper, maybe the good news has been sent back to maybe section C, where you're just kind of lukewarm, or it's maybe normal news because you've been around it so much. Well, I want to encourage you today to take that good news from section C and bring it back to the front page as a front page headline. How do you do that? If we went back to our, our scripture, Colossians tells us that it's hearing the truth of the good news gives us confident hope and faith, and then we go and love all of God's people. If you want the good news to be a front page headline for you, go out and love God's people. Get in a life group where you're going to love people in practical ways. You'll see what needs they have and you can meet them. Spend time in prayer. Get involved on you know, a ministry team, wherever God has given you a passion. And when you love God's people, I guarantee you the good news stays good in your life. There is great joy, and I'm speaking from experience here. When you get involved in other people's lives, you know what? There's so much joy that comes from that that you won't have to worry about the good news falling back to section C. I'm you know, speaking from experience talking about Jason or Phil or Nancy, I hope you can tell that there's joy coming from me right now because I'm talking about people that God is changing their lives. And that keeps the good news good. It also takes investing in God's kingdom. If we want to keep the good news good in our lives, if we want to keep the good news a front page headline, we have to invest in God's kingdom. And that's where we get our second essential truth this morning. God's kingdom is your best investment opportunity. Let's go back to Colossians for just a second. It says in verse 6, This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. What Paul does here is he casts vision. He helps the church in Colossae realize, hey, you guys are not alone in this. The good news is spreading everywhere. And he's casting vision, giving them encouragement and inspiration to continue doing what they're doing. But he also takes a moment to reflect back on where they've been. What was the catalyst for this? What was the catalyst that caused the good news to go and be spread everywhere? And I want to take a moment here to actually step back and think about new life specifically and how we got to our three campuses, our three venues. You know, I've only been around new life for a couple of years, okay? But in that short amount of time, I have been able to get connected with people that have been here forever, it seems like, okay? And what I learned from them is there's been great spiritual leadership here, and not just from the pastoral staff, but there's been great spiritual leadership and great spiritual wisdom that's been invested in God's kingdom time and time again. It get, gets to the point where I want to I present a term to you called spiritual capital, which can be the resources, the physical resources. It can be finances. It can be um, spiritual wisdom and depth and maturity. I want to call that spiritual capital. 
Well, new life had built up so much spiritual capital over years and years and years of doing whatever it was that God called them to do, being faithful, being trusting in God. And that spiritual capital got to a place where new life had to use some of it. They had to invest it. And so what happened? The venue. Yes, everybody down in the venue probably start cheering now. Uh, they, get, they get planted. And I, and I love that there was the, the foresight to see, you know what, we're going we're gonna to plant this model on our own campus so that we can work out any kinks or bugs or anything like that. We can fix it while it's, you know, 95 feet or 95 yards down the hall so that we can take it now 95 miles down the road to North Platte. We can take it anywhere around the world with this model. So the spiritual capital was taken and invested. What that did was allowed new life to continue to grow. Before long, after the venue had started, I'm talking to Pastor Jeff, and he's like, man, you would not believe what's happening at our venue. We've only been there for a few weeks now, and we have to order more chairs because we don't have enough for people. And so the venue just keeps growing and growing, and it allows the auditorium here. There's more space now for other people to come in. And it's incredible how these two work together. Well, not long after the venue's planted, God comes knocking on the door and says, hey, you know all that spiritual capital you have? It's not just for your own campus. I've got people in North Platte that I want you to reach. People that aren't connected to a church out there, people that aren't even, they haven't even heard the truth of my good news yet. And I want you to go out there. So when I get brought on board, I meet a man named Monty Standage. Many of you guys know Monty. If you, if you haven't met Monty yet, he is just, he's the greatest. I love Monty so much. He and I spent a ton of time together uh, as we were redoing the, the church building out there. And he's just a phenomenal person. I mean, and I, I'm glad that he is because I spent more time with him at times this summer than I did my wife or my son Milo. And I love Monty, and just so you know, I called him. I made sure that I could ask, you know, his permission to use this story because I think it's something that you guys need to hear. Monty is one of our church deacons, and he just brings great spiritual wisdom, great spiritual depth to this church, and has for a number of years. And when the idea of, you know, planting this church in North Platte was presented to him, he was hesitant. He had his reservations. He's thinking, you know, the venue's great, but that's because it's close enough. We kind of know what's going on. And I mean, North Platte's 95 miles down the road. How does that work? And so he he admits to me that it was something that was really, uh, it just, it didn't sit right with him. He happens to be out in North Platte with uh, some of the other church board members and the pastoral staff, and they're out in Cody Park again, and they're doing a prayer walk as they're considering this opportunity to go plant the church. And he said, I'm just out there, you know, walking and praying, seeking God, thinking, God, I just don't think this is where we're supposed to go. And he said, all of a sudden, his thoughts, his prayer was interrupted by God, and God just clearly spoke to him. He said, Monty, why wouldn't you do everything you can to build my kingdom in North Platte? Why wouldn't you do everything you can to spread the good news to the people of North Platte? Monty said that was a game changer for him. From then on, it was like, yeah, God, you're right. And I'm going to submit my you know, hesitation or my reservation to you. And we're going to go for this. And I'm so glad that God spoke to Monty. Because then Monty went on and he seriously led missions team after missions team to North Platte to help remodel that church and get it ready, make it new and fresh again to invite people in. 
Beyond money, we had men and women. We had youth. We had children involved in building a foundation out there. Whether it was the remodeling of the church or going and and doing outreach all over the city of North Platte. We had tons of people invested in this. We blitzed the community. Now, this idea of investing spiritual capital, investing our time and our efforts, our finances, takes me to a story that Jesus told. The parable of the three servants that were each given a, a certain amount of silver to go and invest. There was this man who must have been a fairly wealthy man. He had servants. He had money to give them to invest. He, he calls these three in and he says, you know what, guys, I'm, I'm taking off for a while. Now I need you He says to the first guy, I need you to take these five bags of silver and invest them. I want to see what you can do with these five bags of silver. The second guy, he says, I've got two bags of silver for you. Go invest it. And then the third, he gives one bag of silver to. Now, as as the story goes on, the man leaves. And when he comes back, he finds that the man that was given five bags of silver invested it wisely and earned five more bags of silver back. And he's, he's ecstatic with his servant. He goes to the second guy who had the two bags of silver. And he's able to give the, the master two more bags because he'd invested it wisely. And then the third, the third man that was given one bag of silver, he was scared. He was fearful. He was hesitant about investing. He, was, he didn't want to let go of what had been given. And he buried it in the ground and earned nothing back. And this is not out of a, a boastful, ooh, it's all about new life. This is a, I want to say this out of praise to God that new life, in my opinion, is like the man that was given the five bags of silver, that wanted to invest it, step out in faith, believe God for something big, and, and had the faith to do it. And we see that now with the, the, the success and the health of our three campuses, our three locations. I want to take a look here. I want you to see what was the master's response to the man who had, who had invested wisely his five bags of silver. The master says, the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. God celebrates with us because we're taking the resources resources he's given us, and we're investing them back into his kingdom. We're investing them into sharing the good news. We're not keeping it for ourselves. We're not taking our spiritual capital and trying to hold so tightly to it that we can't invest it. We're not too fearful of, of risking our spiritual capital that we just bury it in the ground. We're investing that spiritual capital, and I'm here to tell you today that North Platte's not the last place we're going to invest in. North Platte's not going to be the last church plant that God has in the plans and in the vision of new life. I'm preaching today because Pastor Jeff and and our intern Nathaniel are over in West Africa. They're over there scouting out places where churches can be planted. There's an organization that has a desire to plant an incredible number of churches in West Africa by the year 2020. So Pastor Jeff and Nathaniel are over there doing some of the legwork, kind of um, researching, researching this organization that wants to do, do the church planning. Are they uh, an organization that, that we can invest in? And they're over there really just looking to be faithful to where God may call us next. But it doesn't, doesn't have to be to these exotic locations that God calls us to. 
You know, North Platte's not exotic, okay? Uh, have you been there? Okay. It's not exotic, all right? But God called us there because there are people there that need to hear the good news. He may call us to Omaha. He may call us out to Colorado or Kansas. It doesn't matter where he calls us to. I just want you to know that if God calls us somewhere, we better be ready to go without hesitation or reservation. Can I get an amen for that? Let's not put limitations on what God can ask of us. Let's not put limitations on what God can ask of us. When we do that, when we're putting limitations on what God can ask of us, it's, it's like we're coasting. We're kind of thinking, okay, we're all good. You know, we love what we're doing. We've got three locations, but that's good. God, you know, we're, we're, we'll stop there. When we do that, we're coasting. And let me tell you today, if we're coasting, it means one of two things. It means we're about to stop or it means we're going downhill. And I don't ever want that to be new life. And I don't believe that's the heart of new life. But it starts with you as individuals that are willing to invest in God day in and day out. God is actively calling us to be a part of building his kingdom on earth. He wants us to be a part of it so badly that he sent his son Jesus so that you and I might be redeemed and then go out and share that redemption with other people. Let's take a look here as... um, Paul continues to write in Colossians. It's going to be verses 13 and 14. It says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Take the redemption and the freedom purchased by Christ and let's share it with the world. New Life was able to plant the venue And then North Platte, after years of making small investments, it wasn't like just all of a sudden one day God shows up and he says, hey, plant the venue, and we just were given all of the spiritual capital. It was something that was built up over time. It was built up by tiny investments that became small investments that became a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger until the point where God was saying, you know what, you've got the capital. Go make a huge investment. And I want to encourage you, with that today. The best is yet to come if we continue to be faithful. Let's be faithful in our investments with God's kingdom because we know for a fact that God is faithful. Now, I want to share one last story with you guys to help you understand just how faithful God has been throughout this North Platte church plant. Back in March of last year, Pastor Jeff and I got to talking and we were, we were dreaming we were thinking about New Life, North Platte, what it might look like on opening day, on our launch day. And Jeff just asked me, he said, well, okay, how many people do you think we're going to have in the auditorium? Not counting kids, ministry, or anything like that. How many do you think we will have when we open on September 21st? And so we kind of start talking through some numbers. We throw some out there. And he said, now, now let's really focus our attention on what do you think we'll have if God's in it. Not how many you can get or I can get to, to come and buy in because of us. It's if God is in this, how many people are we going to have? And we kind of talked it through and, you know, what would what, what be realistic if God's in it? And we, we landed on 100 people. We said if God's in this, he's going to show us that we've got 100 people on that first day, September 21st, in our main auditorium. So September 21st rolls around and and I'm just kind of sitting there, I'm thinking, okay, God, we've invested time, money, energy, all sorts of sacrifices into this church. And, and in a sense, it's kind of like, okay, God, let's see. 
if you're faithful. And so we, we start service there just like we do at the other venues with a couple of songs and then announcements and greeting. So I'm out there. I lead the songs. We do our announcements. Everybody stands up and they're greeting. And then we drop the screen and Pastor Jeff comes on and he starts speaking. I'm like, okay, here's my opportunity. I'm going to go see how faithful God is. So I walk to the back of the auditorium, and I start counting heads in our auditorium. We've got three sections, and I, I count the, the side, <clears throat> excuse me, over here. I'm counting, and I count the middle section, and I remember myself doubting God at this point. As I go to count the third section, I'm like, man, we're not going to get to 100. And I, I finish counting. Guess where I was? 98. 98. I'm like, Mm, we're that close. As I'm thinking that, as I'm doubting God, my wife walks in the door. She's 99 and I'm 100. And I'm like, what in the world? Praise God. So when we talk about this idea of investing in God's kingdom, you're never going to find a more uh, impressive, you're not going to find a more faithful, trustworthy investment than God's kingdom. So I want to encourage you today, take the redemption of Christ and share it with the people in your world. Impact your world this week. Do it by day in, day out, making small investments, whether it's prayer, whether it's practical love, showing showing people that you care about their needs. When you make small investments like that, day in and day out, you're going to then be given an opportunity to where you can make an incredible investment. Let's take a look at what Matthew 25, 29 says as the worship team comes. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. Guys, I want you to realize that as we continue to invest, as we continue to plant churches, whether it's in West Africa or here in in this country, as we continue to invest, God is going to give us more opportunities to invest in his kingdom. When we do well with a little, he's going to give us a lot. And I want you to be praying with me and the rest of the pastoral staff and with everybody, North Platte, the venue, this auditorium, if we can come together as a church and we can make small investments day in and day out, we'll be ready when God gives us that opportunity to make an incredible-sized investment. Let's make today the worship time that we're about to go into in our three auditoriums, let's make today about investing our heart, giving our heart, surrendering our heart to Christ, because that's really where it starts. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Father, thank you for the redemption we have through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for reaching out And drawing us back to you when we've strayed so far away. We're never too far away from you, God. And we thank you for that. You have blessed us with much here at New Life. Let us take what you have given us and invest into building your kingdom on earth. Give us the courage to go wherever and whenever you call us. Let us not put limitations on what you may call us to. For your plans are much greater than our own. And they always will be. Let us love others. Let us see the best in others, just as you have seen the best in us. Let us take the truth of the good news and the redemption found in it and share it with confidence with the world around us. God, you are faithful. This morning during our time of worship, we offer our hearts to you. May we give all that we have to you. Use us to bring glory to you. 
I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.